yourself. You're a so I'm not going to buy your book. How's that? I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. I am creative person Christopher Talon. I do all the music for the show except for the one song at the end that was done by Kirk Ross, same guy that designed my book cover. Hey, wait a second, I'm getting way off topic. My guest today is Jennifer Susie, and she didn't edit my book per se, but she definitely gave me helpful editor style notes on it earlier in the run of it. And we talk about that and a few other things. But first, before we get into all that, let me real quick talk to you about my book, just to give you some con- uh, context for what we're talking about here. I'll read straight off the back of the book. Switchers. It started on the last day of school in a version of 1996 that most of us don't remember. Kurt and his friends Andy, Bertie, and Dylan are starting summer break by an abandoned farmhouse behind a 7-Eleven. A run-in with some bullies ends the night in terror for everyone involved. The next morning, Kurt wakes up to complete chaos in what is the beginning of a journey of both distance and time no one could have imagined. Kurt and his friends travel time, switching bodies with their adult selves in the process, learning about each other, figuring out who they can trust, and hoping they find a way home before they get stuck in a future with little hope of survival. Permanently. Alright, so you're going to hear from Jennifer Susie very shortly and we're going to be talking about the great notes that she gave me all the support that she gives with notes but also she gave me help trying to get published she introduced me to tj tranchel who edited my book and oh i also should mention too before we get into the interview the interview does contain spoilers from the 1994 movie the air up there with kevin bacon so all right folks in the spirit of it takes a village to raise a child all these people that i've been interviewing lately with the book release stuff around the title have been huge in getting this book out and not just getting it out but making it look good so thank you to all of them thank you to you jennifer susie folks get ready we're going to talk about some books in here too she was in a space anthology through silver shamrock that you should check out she's got a book called the mother we share the Night She Fell, Demon and Me, Clementine's Awakening, and we talk about TJ's books, Tell No Man, and Sean Burgess's book, The Tear Collector. All great authors and people you should check out in the show notes, blah, 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 blah. So here it is with uh, Jennifer Susie. of a celebration of my book yay um (laughs) i'm worried that people will read this and be like he's a science fiction author because like this is really the only project i've written outside of maybe like one or or two other short stories ever that was like sci-fi so i don't consider myself sci-fi i consider Mm -hmm. myself like pg horror and 
fantasy kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, what do you think about not being super niche? Because another podcast I was on, they said, you know, that's great that you've got this idea with your book and your promotion, but it's so wide your your idea of who's going to read it and the mm -hmm. the genres that you play with that I'm just worried that you're going to have a hard time finding a home for it. Well, I mean, that's, that's always a risk. You know, a lot of my books, for instance, they, they combine multiple genre elements. Like Can they're all for adults, like definitely books that, you know, have violence, uh, romantic scenes, things that would definitely, you know, make it an R movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my, my daughter really wants to read. I was telling her about uh, the mother we share. And mm -hmm. she's like, Oh, can I read that? But I had the, I had the electronic copy of it. So I got to get her the, the physical copy of it. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just write genre and all that stuff is for sell selling basically. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're finding your target audience and letting them know, Hey, you might like this book. But as far as the writing part, you've got to write just what makes sense to you, what makes sense to the story you're creating and yeah. worry about where it fits later, you know, because you don't want to muddle your brain while you're creating with should I swing this way? Should I swing that way? Get the story down that you want. Then afterwards be like, well, it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, and I went through that myself with uh, the Night She Fell series because, mm. yes, it's partly there is a paranormal romance and so it is a little steamy but at the same time there's definitely it's definitely horror at the same time and there's some fantasy elements too so it's like who do you market to I don't know so I just marketed it to everybody <laughs> like in those groups you know because what else are you supposed to do because there's if you really feel there's something for everyone you want to announce that yeah but um but don't worry about being pigeonholed because so many genres, almost every genre subject at one point or another, it has interwoven into a story. Like there's so many sci-fi fantasies. There's so mm. many sci-fi horrors. There's so many whatevers, you know, because they, they all have an intersect. In yeah. Wasn't genres. there just the, the anthology that was all like sci-fi set, uh, sci-fi horror in space. Anthology? Yeah. That was the, yeah. That was the one I was in, in, yeah. in silver shamrock. Yeah. And a lot of, I read it and it was, it, I mean, not to toot all of our horns, but it was, it was really good. But the thing that was good about it too, was not all of it. Like you think, oh, it's all going to be in space, like spaceships, astronauts. No, it was, it was sci-fi horror. And there was a lot of different ways that those 30, 31 authors, I think, interpreted that. So there was a lot of variety. Yeah. So it if you like sci-fi and horror, but maybe you like this trope or that trope, but still there's going to be something for you no yeah. matter what, as long as you like both of those things. Yeah. People would say, Oh, all that many variations on the same theme. That's going to get boring. But I mean, it's really not, you know, it's because it's mm -hmm. almost like songwriting or painting. You could give somebody an idea, but not no two things are going to look or sound or read exactly the same. Exactly. talk about beta reading beta readers both mm -hmm. um because i had several people who gave me really good notes on the book and things that i should fix and change but of all of them i don't know if i would say you gave the best advice you probably <laughs> did but you also did it like in the most 
direct and simple way. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are afraid to do that, especially people that don't really know what beta readers are supposed to do, or even if they do, they just, they're afraid of hurting a fragile artist's spirit. You know what I mean? Right. Which that is a risk. Um, as an editor, I can tell you artists are very fragile, but mm. at the same time, it's like, um, do you want this book to be the absolute best it can be? Cause if you do, then you've got to hear the constructive criticism. Yeah. Because it's it's criticism, yes, but it's intended to help. It's not coming from a bad place. You yeah. know, when people give me constructive criticism, I'm like, thank you. That's like the best gift you yes. can give me. <laughs> yes. I was talking to a guy who's not a writer, but he does a visual art, like graphic art. Um, and he said we were talking about the same thing. It's just so frustrating when someone's like, Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And that's all they say. <laughs> right. Oh, I love your stories. They're awesome. Yeah. Or They're I great. Think, They're all perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think my dad might have like looked at my book, kind of like flipped through it a little bit. He goes, looks like a real book. Like that was this whole thing. Like, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, give me, give me like real feedback, you know, if, yeah. if you can. And don't be afraid of hurting my feelings. You know, my boyfriend's read most of my books against his will because he likes he likes horror, but he's like romance. Oh, that's stupid. I hate it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So, <laughs> but so he'll read it and he'll be like, okay, well, do you think that you know maybe that's the best way or whatever? And sometimes I don't think he necessarily gets it. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. I don't think you get it. But sometimes he will say something that, as an outsider of whatever, you know, he. It, it is astute and it's helpful. So I'm like, thank you for sharing that with me and not yeah. being afraid that I was just going to crumble into tears because I'm not. I just, if I give it to you to read beforehand, I'm looking for your honest opinion because that will help me. When you have something and you're giving it to people for a beta read, mm-hmm. do you have like a set checklist? Do you have a conversation? Do you send everybody the same thing? This is what I'm looking for. This is when I need it by. Or um, do you kind of just throw it out there loosey-goosey and see what you get back? Yes, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's because when you give someone something for a beta read, like for me, mm-hmm. you know, every people say very quickly, yes, I'll do it, yes. Mm-hmm. But realistically, um, especially if you're sending it out to your writer friends, who have, you know what they have to do. They they write every day or maybe they edit or the, and they also have other jobs and maybe families. So, you know, they got a lot going on. So we're talking they, about me, by the way, she sent me a, a book <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, I read like half of it. Sorry, shit. <laughs> but I mean, you know, things happen, but you don't want people to feel like you're putting them under pressure. Yeah. Because that that could sour the relationship. So you just, you put it out there with the hope that they'll read it and assure them, hey, if you get to it, you get to it. If you don't, you don't. If you do read it, if you can, if you have time, how do you feel about the characters? How did you feel about the plot twist? Was the foreshadowing good? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe like five or six little things that you, that's what you want the audience perspective on, right? You know, yeah. I don't I don't need you to tell me if my comma is correct. Yeah, right. Because we'll figure that out later. But did <laughs> yeah. you like did you like the character? Even if you didn't like the character, why didn't you like the character? Yeah. Or even if you hated them, did you hate them in the good way? Like I hate you, but I love you because I want to see what happens to you. You know, mm-hmm. so things like that are helpful. 
it's like when they when they uh do uh early releases for movies you know and they want to they want to get the audience perspective well they clapped here and they did nothing there or they booed here or someone fell asleep over here i saw them in the seat you know (laughs) you gotta cut this joke nobody left right nobody left they all just stared at the screen so that i mean that's what you're looking for Mm -hmm. and then the rest of it like the, the the actual editing all that you know that's the easy part it, it it's whether the the story works and the yeah. characters work yeah that's once you got a book that's you know done for the sake of just writing a beginning middle and end mm-hmm. like you said the the rest of it it's not that it's easy but it just it kind of falls into place it's yeah it's easier than trying to come up with fresh ideas right, right. <laughs> really glad that you introduced me to tj for editing which by the way i don't know if i told you but i did thank you in the back of the book specifically for (laughs) your support and for introducing me to tj oh yay thank you yeah i still have to read the final copy um it's been crazy right now with stuff well you've already read like 15 other copies of it so it's like 15 other copies Don't worry about it. But yeah, I wrote uh, thanks to so and so and so and so and Jennifer Susie for your notes and for introducing me to TJ. Yay. Well, I mean, I know he does a good job with stuff like that. I mean, his books always come out great. So yeah, yeah. I read Tell No Man after you introduced me to the idea of hiring him for that, and immediately I think I read it in like two sittings and was just like, yeah, I'll take this guy if he's available. But did you read the first book in no. that? Um, Oh my God! You've got to read it That's, because uh, cry, that down, is... cry down darkness is that it? Yes, yeah. yes. Oh my God! Because I, obviously I read that first because he hadn't released Tell No Man yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then when I read that, there's there's some stuff because you know it's a shared universe. Yeah. But there was some stuff, and I was like, Oh my God! I need I need more. I need more from this little Utah town, please. <laughs> yeah. How did you meet him? Um. Well, Dean and me. And Tell No Man were signed up at the same publisher, but then the publisher went under. So we were like that first round of releases that were going to come out, but we never were released. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like yeah. in the meantime, as each and you know, we we met after I got signed first, and then he got signed. So then we met each other, and you know, we've been friends ever since, and supporting each other. So, yeah. He's a good dude. And did he you is. hear about the the novelization of the classic American uh, movie that he's doing? No. He, he, he said it on my podcast, so I'm sure it's okay for me to share it now. But he's um, been commissioned to write a novelization of um, Footloose. <gasps> they wanted a oh Utah writer, so they, they got him. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I know, right? And Footloose is it's fucking footloose yeah oh it's my not god his normal jam but i'm sure he'll do amazing with it he will do amazing and yeah. i mean i just love that story i mean who doesn't from i just want to dance right just let me dance <laughs> <laughs> i'll go to jail so i can dance <laughs> yeah. you can't even say the word footloose without hearing and and just strange you know solo dance montages you know i'm angry i'm gonna dance it out through an empty factory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, just dancing through the, the factory yeah. and, and kicks and jumping off the platforms. Yeah. 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 Oh God, I love that movie. That was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. 
Kevin I, I think she saw it in the theater. Guy. Yes. The bacon. <laughs> Who doesn't love him? <laughs> he's he's like a very unique looking, not not classically beautiful man, but just something about him. You can't stop mm-hmm. looking at him. Yeah. 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 And he's so fabulous. And every movie he's in, he's always great. Even if the movie sucks, he's Even great. Even if the movie is silly, kind of like uh, the air up there. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I don't remember much of it though. It was he was a assistant basketball coach who was trying to get the head coaching job. <gasps> That's right. And he was he had to get this power forward from um, this African tribe, so he had to go to Africa, convince mm-hmm. this kid to come play, and then end up joining their tribe and beating a different team in Africa. And then he gets the spoiler. Then he gets the job, and the kid. <laughs> nice. It's a, it's a silly, silly movie. And Kevin Bacon doesn't look like a Division One all-star basketball player, but you know, it was good. I liked it. Right. And he's and he would he would sell it even if he doesn't look the part. He yeah. would sell it because he's an awesome actor. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was just one of those silly nineties movies that they cranked out left and right when everybody was doing cocaine, I think. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the nineties. Yeah. The good old days. So this is your third time being on the show. Congratulations for that. Yay, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Talk about some of the stuff that you've done since, I'm trying to remember, what were you even promoting the last time you were on? I think probably Clementine's Awakening. Okay, yeah. So you've had several things come out since then, right? Because you write yes. like a book a week. Well, I have been. Um, <laughs> I've slowed down a bit. These past few months have been just a nightmare, but... um. I am getting back in the swing of things. But yeah, so I had Clementine's Awakening come out. And then um, I had Dead in the Water come out, which uh, I don't know if you've read it yet. But um, I haven't. Oh, I love the story. But it's it's three sisters, three middle-aged sisters. And they have to gather back in Provincetown in Massachusetts because their grandmother who raised them passed away in a very strange manner she like walked into the ocean and she was catatonic and then she was not and she just got up and walked into the ocean and disappeared so they have to gather and they're they all kind of they're triplets and they so they have that shared birth rivalry i i say this as the older sister to two twins yeah they fight all the time so (laughs) it's like a twin thing i don't know why they love each other they try to kill each other i don't know it's a thing but um, so yeah, so these triplets get back together, and at their reunion, they realize that there's more going on as they start learning more of their family history. And someone who had kind of been following them for most of their lives makes a not very welcome reappearance. So there's Irish folklore, there's horror, there's fantasy, a whole bunch of stuff. You're so good at making things seem super like somebody that would read just the first few pages of one of your books <laughs> would be like oh okay this is going to be like some realistic literary fiction and then it just slowly like kind of turns into a nightmare like yeah <laughs> I, I really love that style where it, you're, you're not even sure what's happening until it's happening as far as just like the tone starts to just get darker and weirder and darker and weirder I I just I love dark and weird. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's been me my whole life, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, I love stuff like that. I love when you're not quite a hundred percent. Like you think you know where a story or where a movie or wherever, where you know where it's going, 
and then it's not. And you're like, how did we end up here? What's going on? What's going to happen next? You know, <laughs> I like that too. Even when I'm writing, you're like, yeah. I, I kind of know, I have a general idea of what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you know, as well as anyone, I mean, as, as well as any writer, you think you know what's going to happen and then you get to some place and all of a sudden one of your characters is like, hey, I'm going to do this. And you're like, no, stop. And then you're like, wow, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I was just talking about this too. You go, no, no, no. I got to do the thing that I said I was going to do. And then you end up going back and go, hey, I got to just throw all that away and start that part. Right. Over and... It's all garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how the people who are very, very strict plotters can do it. And that's not a, that's not a knock to them. Cause you know, right. I don't want them knocking me either. We all get it done, but mm-hmm. I I'm too, I guess, neurodivergent maybe. <laughs> well, maybe I mean that one path the whole time. I mean, I respect anyone who can stick like to an outline and all that. Yeah. And everyone's again, everyone's brain works differently. So that's awesome if it works for them. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, there's always been, again with any art but you know with writing it feels there's something mystical like when you're in the process of doing it like I hate to make it sound all mysterious to people who don't write but but there is like it's like you're you're you get into a trance and you kind of feel like something's happening but you don't know what you're and it, and at parts you feel like you're almost along for the ride yes. to something else that's happening so I don't like to get in the way of that as much as possible. Like, I don't like to go, I don't go in with no plan. I'm not like a total fly by the seat of my pants, just let whatever happens happen. But I, I do let myself be open to the possibility that something might change because there might be a very good reason that I'm feeling this nudge here or there. Yeah. And and maybe I'm just superstitious because, you know, I, I am. But, you know, when you feel nudges like that, there's... I, I, to me, there's got to be something like there's meaning behind that. Yeah. I don't know if you're superstitious, but you're definitely a little superstitious. <laughs> <little> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, no, Michael. <laughs> no, I was, um, but I was just talking to uh, Brandon Scott and he was saying the mm-hmm. same thing that he had recently just written a story and he said it almost felt like, um, like a Ouija board, like the way it just started, like yeah. he wasn't even thinking about his hand. He was just, it was just mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, I mean, and then you'll be, you know, you'll get into a zone and you'll look down and you'll be like, wait, it's midnight? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's I, like, I just wrote 4,400 <laughs> words in one. Wow. Well, what, where was I? What happened? Yeah. Was I here still? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like stuff like that happens. And I, I think I think most of your writing, I feel like for myself, most of my writing happens in my subconscious. So the best thing I can do is get out of its way mm. and let whatever has been brewing and connecting down there, let it just go free, which is a lot of times why I listen to music when yeah. I'm writing. Like a lot of people can't do that, which again is fine. You know, everyone has their way, but when I listen to music, it like it, uh, it distracts the the thinking operating part of my brain yeah. and lets helps that subconscious just kind of sneak out. Yeah. It distracts the monkey with the symbols. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, listen to this. You love this song. And then I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What tips do you have for 
a handsome fellow like me <laughs> who does not have, you know, any um, audience whatsoever trying to push their first book up. Well, I mean, I think you've got more of an audience than you realize. Like, you've been doing really good on Twitter, uh, asking your questions and making yeah. connections with people. Um, I just don't know if that's going to connect to into buys or not. You know what I mean? It's really hard to say. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not that great at it myself because it, you're. It's when you're connecting with social media. It's it's a very risky. It can be profitable, but it's also very risky. Like it's very likely that whatever ad you create or whatever video you do is going to be just a total waste of time. But there might be some that you make that are awesome that just click with somebody and go somewhat viral. Yeah. You know, I've I've been using TikTok and um, some of the reels on Instagram because I know a lot of people like the reels. Mm-hmm. Has it translated to sales? I don't know. I don't think so. But but I mean, at least you're putting yourself out there. And a lot of people I know, uh, they do Amazon ads. I've tried to do that. And I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying I don't know how to make it work. Yeah. Like, I know there's ways to make it work. And there's like all sorts of tutorials on YouTube and this and that. That And somebody else said that those, uh, you can get like little um, book book ad pop-ups made on BookBub or something like that. So you it'll can. pop up and it'll say things like if you can program it to be like, you know, if somebody reads, just throwing a name out there, John Grisham, and you think that they might like you, then it that'll pop up when they're looking up John Grisham or whatever i'm not really sure how it works exactly right i mean there's all sorts of algorithms and stuff and you've got to use the right keywords and you've got to put the right amount of money onto each like bid so that way there's a greater chance that you're tar- it's all very confusing to me i don't get it like yeah. i know i should get it and i should try to get it but it's very hard so i don't know yeah. so that's why i, I do- like it when somebody's like i have this exact strategy i just do this 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 i'm just like uh-huh copy and pasting that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the best thing you can do is just um, keep making your name heard out there in some way and keep networking with other because other authors, especially ones that are, you know, actually do have an audience, yeah. you know, yeah. if you connect with them and like you swap books or whatever, that's a great way to get exposure because mm-hmm. they read your book, you read theirs, you each try to review you know, and then boom, they, you know, all the people who follow them are like, hey, this person I love just read this book and liked it. So maybe I'll like it too. You know, that's interesting because I was thinking about that earlier too. the um, the line between connecting with other writers and then connecting with readers, because like, you know, somebody, somebody had pointed out um, early when I got into Twitter, like, don't do too many of those writers lifts because then all you're going to have for followers are other people who are also trying to sell books. You need to try to reach out to, to some non-writers too. And that's a good point too. I mean, you know, um, one of the things about Twitter, like in my experience, again, I'm not saying that I know everything because I, I I surely don't, but, um, you have more followers than me. That's the name of the game. But I don't think they're real people, most of them. So I don't count. Yeah. I'm waiting on Elon Musk to swipe the bots out. So yeah, right. <laughs> then I'll know who I really have. But um <laughs> but no, like yeah, if you have all writer friends, yeah, that's pro- that's gonna be your problem because writers, I mean, when you're friends with people, you do try to buy 
everyone's book. You, you yeah. really do. But if all of your friends are writers, obviously all of us have a limit pocketbook and time wise. Yeah. So you can't always do everything. So it's, it's not necessarily the ideal, you know, plus they're so easy to sell to like other writers because they, they want to support you. They want you to support them, Yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to read, buy and read your book. Um, at the best, they'll, they'll help you promote it. They'll share your tweet or they'll do this or that. And, and that's great. But, um, I don't think Twitter's the place necessarily to sell books. Cause again, you're just selling to people just like you, mm -hmm. unless you, I don't know, find some way to tap into some, I don't know, some reader group there that's active, but I don't know that a lot of reader groups are, I mean, unless I'm missing them are active on Twitter, but now, um, things like bookstagram on Instagram, mm -hmm. that's a very active reading community. But of course, the thing is, people don't want to get spammed with buy my book. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Do you want to get spammed with buy my book? You know, of course not. You you Unless go on it's social. Incredibly creative and well done. But right. yeah, most of the time it's not. Yeah. Right. But you, you don't want to go on to like your social media platform of choice and just see a bunch of ads. Buy you this, know, buy this, read this, buy, buy this, this, buy this, this, please. You want to go see funny, quirky, delightful little comments and interactions with people yeah. you like. So yeah. I would say just keep doing like keep doing your podcast, keep doing like comments and questions and interacting and worry more about that building your online persona yeah. than selling. Because if people like you, they're going to be like, oh, he has a book, too. Hmm, maybe I should read it because I think he's cool or I think he's funny. So I'll probably like his book. Well, I should do just fine then because I actually have this um, <laughs> this song that I wrote about myself do you want to hear it i sing it yes. sometimes whenever yes. i make new friends <laughs> i make friends everywhere i go everywhere i go everywhere i go i make <laughs> friends everywhere i go because everybody thinks i'm cool yay <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i do whenever i make a new friend that i'm excited about i start singing that song and my wife's like oh you made a new friend today <laughs> see you need to, you need to make a tiktok about that yeah and then see what happens <laughs> yeah then I'll go viral and be like, look at this idiot. Right. But that's okay because. Because I'll be sell like, more books that way probably than I would. Right. Or if nothing else, you'll get more followers and then they'll follow all your other quirky, funny tweets and videos. And they'll be like, okay, he's convinced me. I've got to read this book. I've got to see what's going on deeper in his mind. Yeah. I've got to see <laughs> if this person has an actual adult working brain. Right. I have to know. <laughs> uh. Is there anything that you have done, are doing, will do that you want to talk about or just anything uh, on your mind right now before we start moving towards the end? Well, I am working on a couple of books simultaneously. I can't really talk much you, about them. You would. I, <laughs> but things are happening. I just don't know what's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, and also we're doing a lot of editing at Rediscue to get the next round of books out and there's going to be some really awesome ones coming out so keep your eyes peeled does sean burgess have anything coming out mm -hmm. yay he sent me yeah. um, an autographed copy of tear collector that's a good book 
Yes, it is a very good book. And mm. I helped him edit the sequel, which should be coming out very soon. And yeah. I know it happens and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm calling Sean right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's one to keep an eye out for. If if you are a horror slash, well, because it's sort of YA, but it's sort of not. Like, again, it's a lot of things going on at once. You know, a lot yeah. of genres, a lot of possible targets all in the same type of story but yeah if you reading like... that book actually kind of made me feel a little bit of a kinship to him because i was feeling like you know that's kind of how i feel it's like i don't feel like i wrote a book for kids i feel like kids probably mm-hmm. could read it but and there like, is, yeah, definitely there is didn't read the thinking like this is not for adults mm-hmm. yeah no there's a lot of similarities and i feel the same way with evie from the mother we share i did not go out to write a ya book mm. you know i just her being 18 fit the story that I had in my head you know yeah no yeah it would be it would be strange if she was like 34 yeah right so but so I didn't I didn't intend but of course you know with the whole coming of age theme you're like well I guess it kind of does fit more in that than others but that doesn't mean that's that's not what you write it for right like you know so I don't know it all depends and a book can be light on the the sex and the swearing and not necessarily mean it's a kid's book it just means that that's not what the story is asking for Right. And, you know, a lot of people forget, too, that, you know, kids, I was big reader as a kid, of course, because mm. I've been a big reader my whole life. And if there it was shows. one, yeah, I mean, if there was one thing I really hated when I was reading books as a kid was books that kind of talk down to kids like mm. kids go through shit, too. They have trauma. They have horrible things that happen. And I mean, not to say you want to rip the blinders off of them and be like, look at this, look, look at this nightmare I created, you know, but you want to be authentic, you know? Yeah. Well, Obviously within reason, you don't want to, you know, like I said, you yeah, don't want to yeah. go too far, but. um, <laughs> That's why I love John Beller's books when I was younger, like um, house with a clock in its walls. And uh, mm-hmm. oh gosh, that was when they made the movie out of, I think was the house with the clock in its walls. But. um, And I love Judy Bloom. I mean, she wrote kids books, but she, at the time, she was very controversial. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, even John Beller starts his book by basically these women are making fun of this guy that the main character is going to go live with because he's Catholic and they gamble and drink and swear. Like, right. that is how people talk, but like they wouldn't say it in front of kids, but you know, kids hear that stuff and that's... Kids hear it all the time and yeah. they say it all the time. Kids yeah. swear probably more than adults because it's new <laughs> and it's forbidden and it's exciting. So yeah. they swear every time they can. And they just really <laughs> discovered it too. So it's like, it's like got that new car smell to it still. Right. And, but the, <laughs> the funny thing is though, because kids don't really understand always why the swear is or what they use it in really hilarious ways. Like yeah, the I've wrong heard, like, ways. I like still <laughs> one time and they go, Oh, bitch. I'm like, but yeah like i love judy blooms forever my mom would have lost her mind if she knew i had been reading it because it's about a teenage girl falling in love for the first time and losing her virginity Hmm. and so it's it's at the time it was very graphic i don't know how it probably would not be considered so today yeah but um and then the best part was after all that she goes through with the relationship like it fails anyway, because that's the most important lesson that you get from that book. Looking back 
is, hey, kids, yeah, you can do all this stuff, but guess what? You're kids, so you're probably going to fuck it up. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not going to, you know, there, there's a reason why people say, take your time with stuff like that, because you're going to always, almost always pick the wrong person when you're yeah. a kid, because you just don't know any better. Even if they are the right, like, my wife and I met each other young, but we dated on and off and dated other people and had real world experiences before we finally were like you know what you were the one i think let's mm-hmm. let's hook back up again you know so just being young you haven't lived enough yet sometimes right and maybe you are the right person for each other but you're not ready yet yeah. like you don't you you don't you think you're ready you're not though because you still have growing to do as an individual before you can you know throw yourself onto someone else because yeah. they've probably still got stuff to do too you know you what know? i'm gonna i'm gonna stretch that whole thing out and say the same thing to anybody who's writing or doing anything creative that takes time mm-hmm. is don't get frustrated when uh, things don't move at the speed you want them to. Because if they moved at the speed I wanted them to, this book would have come out a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> but it wouldn't have had the cover that it has because I met somebody through podcasting after not being able to go, you know, get an agent or whatever. And they made this at an extreme discount compared to <laughs> what I would have paid somewhere else. It's not only a gorgeous cover, it really fits the story quite well. I don't know the person who created it, but you did an amazing job. You should be proud of yourself. Kirk Russ, the host of a podcast called A Talk in the Attic. Ooh. He's, yeah, he's a he's just a he's a very funny guy. He writes little set comedy pieces and then uh, sometimes does YouTube cartoons to them, like really well done ones. And uh See, I wish I could draw. Well, no, he it's all graphic design stuff. So he has uh his he's got this like thirteen year old pug and it mm-hmm. escaped and was <laughs> wandering around Grand Rapids, Michigan for about like thirty two hours. And so he wrote a story about what the dog might have done and then how it made its way back home and then put all these pictures and it made it look like a children's book, but the dog uh eats mushrooms, gets in a fight with a <laughs> gang a gang of dogs, wild dogs, and gets his penis cut off. Oh and, my god! Uh, yeah, so you, you're looking at this thing, and it's like do 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 do, and it's like all these like kid book pictures. It's like hostile for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> With a happier ending, though. He makes oh, it home, and yeah. Oh, good, good pup. Yeah. <laughs> all that was just a big plug for a talk in the attic. Thank you for being part of that. thank you so much honestly um both for introducing me to tj because he was great to work with uh but for your notes because they were like i said they seemed so simple but when i looked at it read the book again i was like oh yeah, yeah, yeah and was able to make really just a couple quick things i didn't really have to do a big rewrite or anything um and it kind of all tied together because i lost sight especially at the end of the parts that did get especially confusing yeah and when you're like i totally don't know what's going on at this part i was like oh yeah 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 yeah." (laughs) cleaned all that up well simple and direct is best i mean because again with feedback you don't want to beat around the bush Someone's depending on your honesty. They're depending yeah. on on your opinion because it's going to help them. And you again, you may you may have like read something and been like, "Eh, no, I don't think I don't think this is right. I think that the way I did it is right." But the important part is is it might have been a trouble issue, 
but you went back over it. Even if you didn't change it, you still went back over it Mm -hmm. and made sure that's exactly what you want to say. Yeah. You know, that's important stuff. Yeah, because I know what I'm saying. I just got to make sure that the reader knows what I'm saying. Right. (laughs) And and you want to make sure, too. I mean, even any feedback you take in, don't just take everyone's feedback and change your story. There's things that are in there for a reason, and they represent what you want to say. So don't change everything that someone says is a problem, because you have to also balance that just because it's a problem for them. Is it really a problem? Is it like, is it, is it a universal problem or is it like someone reads your story and goes, God, this sucks. I hate science fiction. Okay. (laughs) Why did you read it then? You know, like, (laughs) I don't think what you said is accurate. I don't, I'm not going to listen to it. (laughs) Yeah. Like the person on Twitter who I asked a question, would you rather this or that? And then the one person responded, I'd rather not read dumb questions on Twitter. And I'm just like, then why, why are you interacting with it then? Right. If it's dumb, keep scrolling. Do you know any dumb things I see anytime I'm on Twitter? Do I comment? No, because if it's dumb, it's not even worth my time. And then you get into an internet argument. And who wins an internet argument? Nobody. <laughs> I know a lot of writers. And by a lot, I say, you know, I know a few writers. But within those few, I've known some some that have just completely left Twitter completely altogether. Mm-hmm. And then others who are like, yeah, I have to take breaks because it's just, it's too much writers going at each other or people coming at you with negative shit about the stuff that you post or that you've written. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. I mean, I, I, just, I don't get, the internet's always been like, kind of like full of schoolyard bullies. So, but the mm-hmm. thing is, it's all virtual and you got to keep that in mind. Like, you know, you hear people say like, oh, it was just too toxic. I couldn't handle it. Okay, well, tell them to fuck off. Like, you know, (laughs) it's the internet. You know, don't let them push you around like that because they can't do anything. They can't actually do anything to you. Yeah. They can't hurt you unless you let them. It's the whole sticks and stones thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they can try to be like, don't buy this person's book because they're this or that. (laughs) Well, you're a fucking asshole, so don't buy. I'm not going to buy your book. How's that? (laughs) You know? (laughs) You know, yeah. defend yourself, but but don't let them drag you down because it's not worth it because you can't win anyway. You can't win against the Twitter mob. That doesn't mean you shouldn't stand up to them and stand up for yourself, but pick your battles and don't yeah. let it get you down. Yeah, you don't have to go 26 threads deep on one comment. Right. And again, <laughs> to anyone else, if something annoys you, unless it's something, again, that's so earth shatteringly like crucial that you absolutely feel like you have to say something profound on it (laughs) then comment whatever it's a free world but if it's just something like oh that person annoys me why are you wasting your time then why are you letting it annoy you yeah you know yeah i thought about when they said i i hate reading these dumb twitter questions i thought about right i hate reading these dumb twitter answers but instead (laughs) instead i just retweeted it and left it by itself Oh, you're so clever. You're being sarcastic, for, but you're still contributing nothing of substance. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. and if you're listening, go fuck yourself. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm, I'm glad you're here. We we appreciate everyone who listens because, <laughs> because otherwise we're just, well, I mean, not that we're not having fun just talking to each other, but having an audience is just even that much better, isn't it? <laughs> True. Is. Well, so they say, I don't, I don't know. I, I just record these. I record these on a uh, cassette player and play them for myself late at night. 
hey, that's all right. Yeah. As long as you, as long as someone's getting entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you say anything else that you want to say, and then I'll say goodbye to you. Uh, just this year has been so rough for so many people. Hang in there. Keep going. We're only five months. <laughs> We're not even halfway. Just keep going. You can the do The good this. weather is almost here. Yes, you can, you can do this. You can make it. You can do it. Yeah. Have faith. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on and hang out for a second after I end this thing. Thank you, Jennifer, Susie. Um, I was about to say you're the man, but that's not right. You're awesome. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you're awesome. Thank you you're for awesome uh, too. being part of this whole thing. My pleasure. And I can't wait for your book to come out. And I can't wait to leave my review. <laughs> Yay. Two stars. No review. <laughs> Two stars. No review. Just a gif of a middle finger like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that was Jennifer Susie. I loved talking to her. I'm going to have her on the show a million more times. Don't worry. <laughs> and check out her stuff. Check out all the other writers in the show notes. And by all means, buy my book. All right, folks, that's all I got for you this time. Uh, I'm going to talk to Brandon Scott next time, and that'll wrap up the whole celebration of uh, the book Switchers series that I got going on here. And then it will be back to a regularly scheduled programming. All right, everybody, have a good one. Mwah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Weird, right?